Okay, that you uh, have a takeaway today that's kind of captured by that video that uh, even in the midst of the variety of uh, darkness that we experience in our life, we have an everlasting Father who can use even the darkness and is always moving us into a hope that goes beyond that darkness. Uh, it comes to us again from Isaiah 9. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, your app, whatever it is you want to open up, we're going to go back to Isaiah 9. Uh, and our title today is Everlasting Father. Remember, what we're doing is looking at Isaiah 9. We're looking at that uh, proclamation that Isaiah made 700 years before Christmas, 700 years before Jesus took on flesh and came into the world. Um, and Isaiah understands exactly who this Jesus is going to be, and he gives him a series of titles to describe who he's going to be. Uh, and today, we look at that one called uh, Everlasting Father. It is a profound title. It is an absolutely profound title. For us to understand the title, though, we need to kind of put ourselves back into the situation of what Israel was experiencing at the time that Isaiah spoke this word of promise. And you remember that you go back to Isaiah 8, right before 9, and it says in verse 20 there, Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely where? In the dark. We've been there before, right? And that's the principle behind the proclamation that Isaiah makes, the prophecy that he makes, that there are people who walk in darkness. And in this case, he's speaking this to the people of Israel because that's exactly where they find themselves, because they have done exactly what he warns about. They have stopped listening to the instructions and the teachings of God. And because they've stopped listening to those instructions and teachings, because their kings, most of them, have stopped listening to those instructions and teachings, Israel is now uh, falling apart. If you look at the map, uh, you can see what's happening in history for God's people is that Israel has already been divided into two kingdoms, right? So there's the kingdom of Israel in the north, and there's the kingdom of Judah in the south. So the promised land that God gave to his people has now been divided into these two kingdoms, right? And then you enter on top of that. What's happening on Isaiah's time is this great power to the north called Assyria has risen to power and is conquering territory. And you can see, here's Assyria, you can see all the green is the kingdom now of Assyria. So Assyria is conquering, it is expanding, and if you look closely, you'll notice that the northern kingdom of Israel, right here, that has now fallen. The northern part of the promised land has already fallen. And Assyria now is at the doorstep of what town? Jerusalem, the doorway to the southern kingdom. So what's going on? The people of Israel now find themselves in that place of darkness. That, that their life is falling apart. Their, their dreams of what the future was supposed to be are being shattered. Right? 
They, they are looking at their experience right now and they're saying things like, oh, 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 wait a minute, this isn't the way life is supposed to go. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. After all, we're, we're children of Abraham and, and, and God's favor is supposed to be upon us. And, and, you know, God gave us and our ancestors, he brought us to this promised land and, and he gave us this promised land and it's supposed to be our land. And, and how can this all be happening? After all, we're God's people and God is supposed to protect us and God is supposed to take care of us. And, and after all, the king, the king is supposed to take care of us and the king is supposed to protect us. How in the world can this all be happening? How can our world be falling apart? Now, some of you may have shared those words and uttered those words in your own life in a different circumstance where darkness has just invaded like those Assyrians. And that's one of the simple truths we have to understand this morning, that not only is this the experience of God's people in Isaiah's time, but equally it is the experience that we can go through in seasons of our life. That there is plenty of darkness to go around in a broken world. There's just plenty to go around. Now, in God's people's situation in Isaiah's time, it's very clear that they were experiencing this darkness. Their, their kingdom and their world was being shattered because they had stopped listening to God's instructions and following God's way. And, and the truth of the matter is, sometimes that's exactly why we end up in darkness, right? Sometimes when we just don't listen to what God wants for our life and we don't listen to his word... You know, we enter into those periods of darkness because we've been disobedient just as well. But sometimes darkness just simply invades. Sometimes darkness just simply invades. There's plenty of darkness to go around. I mean, all we have to do is look at the news of yesterday, if you're up on your news, the news of yesterday to see how darkness can just shatter a city and, a fa and some families and something they didn't deserve, something they didn't do. They were doing what their job was and doing what they were good, what they're supposed to do in serving the community as policemen, and yet their life ended and their families were shattered. You know that story, right? If not, go home and get on Fox News and you'll be up to date. But the point is what? Sometimes darkness just simply invades. The question for us is, as the Assyrian army, army invades, so the question is, how do we respond to the darkness? Isaiah's response is our text. Isaiah's response is to not lose hope and to be confident in God and to look to a time when Jesus would come. And so Isaiah would say, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, say it with me, will you? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father. That's what we look at today. Everlasting Father. In the Hebrew, 
Father is Abi, meaning just simply Father. And uh, God, uh, everlasting is odd, meaning everlasting, unceasing in duration, uh, and eternal. Pretty straightforward stuff, right? But what you need to know is what lies behind the image that Isaiah is using. He says, everlasting Father. Now, for Israel, for Israel, that wasn't some removed concept of how God is somehow this great everlasting Father. But it was a literal concept that pointed to the king. That the king was supposed to be the father of Israel. The king was supposed to be the prince of Israel who administered according to God's will and desire, protected, provided for, and cared for God's people. The problem in Israel's situation is... They've gone through a series of kings, and they've had a few good ones along the way, but most of them have been bad kings. They've just simply been bad kings. Now, being bad or good in Israel's day wasn't based on how well the economy is doing or how many jobs there were or what the unemployment rate was. Being good or a bad king was simply based on what Isaiah talked about, whether the king was listening to and following the instructions of, of God. Whether the king was protecting and providing for God's people by virtue of the wisdom and discernment of God the Father. Whether you were a good king or a bad king was based on were you being faithful in following the instructions of God. And Israel had had a series of simply bad kings bad kings. And we can see in Isaiah 22, when Isaiah looks forward in time and in close time, not just to the time when Jesus will come as everlasting father, but a time of recovery specifically for Israel. In chapter 22, he looks at Eliakim being raised up. And if you go right in the middle of verse 21, it says, I will dress him in your royal robes and will give him your title and your authority. Now look at this one. And he will be a what? The word is father. Thank you. Those that are still awake. And he will be a father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. What's his role? His role is to be a father, right? That's his role. He's supposed to be a father. And you jump on down to the end and it says... They will give him great responsibility and he will bring honor to even the lowliest members of his family. You see, the king, the king was supposed to be a father, a father to the nation and the God's own people. So keep this in mind now. What does it mean then for Isaiah to step into the darkness of Israel where they've had a succession of failed kings who haven't done that? of bad fathers to the nation and say, you will have an everlasting father. He's pointing forward and saying, there's going to be a time when you will have a good king who will protect his people, who will provide for his people, and you will be able to count on him all the time. He will be exactly what the king is supposed to be. See, he's looking to Jesus and he's saying, listen, 
this is who Jesus is going to be. Jesus is going to be the fulfillment of what it means to be father and king. And he will protect you and he will provide for you in every circumstance because that is his nature and that is who he is. Now, the trouble for us when we come to these texts is that we use that word everlasting father. And, and for some of us, that word father is a good word. And we think about our father and maybe he was a good dad. But for some of us, the simple truth is, like those kings, there were good ones and there was bad ones. Some of us have good fathers and some of us simply don't. Right? We think of the word father and it doesn't conjure up a lot of great images for us. And that's just the truth, again, the darkness of a broken world. And, and what Isaiah is trying to say is, yes, that, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. But that's not the way it's going to always be. That the one who comes is going to be an everlasting father. Meaning he will be an everlasting father as king, but he will also be an everlasting personal father. If you look into Psalm 68, it says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. See, whether you had a good dad or a bad dad, Isaiah is saying, there is one who is coming into your life who can be a father. A father to the fatherless. He can be, that you can count on him, on being the kind of father that you need in your life. You look at Psalm 103, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. You see, he knows. He knows how weak we are. He knows the darkness that we experience. I mean, this is the amazing thing of Christmas, right? The amazing statement that Isaiah is making in the amazing experience of Christmas is that God would step into our world, not just our world, he would be willing to step into our darkness. He'd be ready to step into our darkness. Now, we know that's true because we look at Jesus and we see him doing that in his ministry, right? And all we have to do is go to John uh, 11. And there's a, just an incredible experience when Jesus shows up to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? And we talked about it a bit last week. But look more intently now this week at this experience. And notice in the text, notice in the text the amount of emotion, the fatherly emotion that Jesus expresses in the text. You ready? So Jesus shows up. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and he saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. What's going on? What's going on to Jesus? Jesus shows up. 
He, he sees the situation. He sees the pain. He sees the wailing and the weeping. He sees the anguish that Mary and others are in. And how does he respond to the darkness that is seemingly overtaking them? He just gets ticked. He gets upset. He gets angry about the whole situation. He just gets upset, ticked, and angry as he looks at the situation of the weeping and the wailing of the darkness that is engaged in these people's lives. That's an everlasting father. A father who's engaged in the lives of his people and hurts with his people. And is angry about the situation because he knows there's something more for them. And you follow it further, and you see how deeply he gets involved in this, right? You follow further. Verse 34, when they, where, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come see. Then look at verse 35. Now, a lot of you may know this verse. Some of you may not know this verse. But this is like the trivia verse, right? In, that, in the trivia contest, they ask the question, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? The answer is... Right here, right? This is it, okay? Verse 35 says, then Jesus did what? How involved emotionally is Jesus in the darkness, in the darkness experience of these people he loved? Now think about this. Get ready. This is like, if you let this seep in, this is like, boom, okay? Think about this. At this very moment, in the midst of his anger, in the midst of this weeping, Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He already knows the outcome of victory that's going to take place in the next moment. He already knows the light that is going to dawn in that moment when he says, Lazarus, come out. And yet before that happens, what does he do? He becomes an everlasting father who gets upset at the darkness and enters into even the weeping with his own people. That's incredible. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. He already knows. It's that incredible statement to us that says Christmas is absolutely true. That Jesus is the everlasting Father who's willing to step into whatever darkness we experience. If you're in a season of darkness right now, you need to hold on to this. You need to know this. That Jesus is not happy. He is not satisfied with you being in that experience of darkness. And yet he is willing to enter into that. He is willing to weep with you. He is willing to be part of everything that you go through. Even though he already knows the outcome and the season, the next season that he has prepared in your life. Why? Because he is exactly who Isaiah said he is. He is everlasting Father. The psalmist says, 
Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. He is who Isaiah said he is, everlasting father. Now we talked about the father part, right? Let's talk about the everlasting part just quickly, all right? Everlasting. Now, you, so often we hear the word everlasting, and I think what we often do with that is we hear the word everlasting and we kind of apply it to our present, right? And then we apply it to our future. And we say, okay, well, he's everlasting, which means he's going to be part of this experience now, which we just talked about. But then he's everlasting. You know, he's going to be there when this season passes and he's got something more in the future for me. And so he's everlasting. I want you to think bigger. Think bigger about this, okay? To say that he is everlasting father is even greater than that. And, and we see the experience in John 8 where Jesus is in debate and conflict uh, with the Jews. If you jump into the middle of it, in verse 56 there, which I made bold, it says, uh, Jesus is talking, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Now look at verse 57. The people hear that and say, What? You knew Abraham? How could you know Abraham, right? You aren't even 50 years old. How could you say you've seen Abraham? Now look at Jesus' response. I'll tell you the truth. So this is a truth statement, absolute truth. I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, what? I am. What does this mean? Before you entered into the darkness that you may be in right now, Jesus was already working before prepare you for that darkness it's not just during it's not just after it's even before why because he is what everlasting and everlasting stretches both ways so everlasting father who is passionate about your life who is ready to enter into the during of your darkness who already knows the opportunity of the after of what's coming next in your life has equally been in front of the experience before the experience that you find yourself in right now. Why? Because he is the everlasting father. The psalmist says he revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with, say it with me, unfailing love. You know, the last time I looked, the definition of unfailing, the definition of unfailing was uh, unfailing. Right? I mean, unfailing is unfailing. It's unfailing. You can count on it. It's everlasting. It's unfailing. It will not fail. What's he saying? 
Listen, God's commitment to you in the everlasting Father of Jesus Christ is absolutely unfailing. It was there before the darkness came into your life. It is going to be there in the midst of the darkness that comes into your life. And it's going to be there when the darkness passes and He creates a new opportunity in your future. Because His love for you, His commitment for you is absolutely everlasting and unfailing. If you're in a season of darkness, You need to know his commitment to you is unfailing. He was there before it started. He'll walk with you in the middle of it and he will take you through it and he'll get you to a new season. Sometimes you may be in that season of darkness just like Israel because you have been listening to God. You you haven't been letting him have his way in your life. His love for you is unfailing. And even though you may have walked away from him, his love for you is unfailing. And he invites you to come back. He invites you, just like he invited Israel, to just come back. And he'll provide a new future for you. He says that no matter what you've done, whatever's created the darkness that's in your life right now, whatever it is, he is willing to forgive and remove that as far as east is from west. That's what he says in Psalm 103. So Peter, remember Peter, the guy that said, no, no, Jesus, you don't want to go to the cross. And Jesus said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Even that guy who stumbled and fumbled so many times, he would write and say, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Why? Why is that true? Because He is exactly who Isaiah said. Everlasting Father. He is everlasting Father. And He works as a king to protect and provide. And He works as a father to even enter into the darkness and walk with you to a new reality. Jeremiah says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. I give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look to me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Why is that true? Because you have an everlasting Father. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the truth we receive today that you are uh, exactly who Isaiah proclaimed, that you are our everlasting Father. And Lord, we just claim that. We need that. And if we're in a season of darkness right now, whether by our own making or just the situation of life, We come to you and we ask that you would just enter in with us, walk with us, give us courage and strength. Help us to move forward. Help us to see there's hope. Help us to know that you've got another season in front of us and that even more, you've been before us.